Good morning, Woodmont. Welcome to worship this Thanksgiving week. Would you join me uh, for a word of prayer? Loving God, open our hearts, open our minds. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I don't know if you noticed, but as soon as November started, uh, Christmas decorations started going up. People started putting up lights in their yards, trees started going up, wreaths started going up uh, all over town. I was driving uh, through my neighborhood at the beginning of November and saw lights in the yard and I I laughed out loud, but then I thought, you know, why not? (laughs) It's like people are saying, please, Christmas, Come quickly. We need you more than ever this year. And that makes sense because of everything that we've been through. A pandemic where over 250,000 people have now lost their lives and the cases are starting to surge again. An election that has worn everybody out. And one of the worst parts about this year, I think, is our fear of being around the people that we love and care for the most, our our families and our close friends, because we're afraid that we might get them sick. That is perhaps the hardest thing to accept as we draw into the holiday season. I think about some of the lines of the Christmas carols that we will start singing in the coming weeks. Think about, O holy night, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Or a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Or think about it came upon a midnight clear and ye beneath life's crushing load whose forms are bending low, whose toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours, come swiftly on the wing. O rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Or hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. We'll begin the Advent season next Sunday. We'll have Hanging of the Greens next Sunday evening at four o'clock out in the front parking lot. And we're going to sing these hymns this year with great spirit and great enthusiasm because they're going to take on an entirely new meaning. But before we get to Christmas, we have another very special holiday this week, and that is Thanksgiving. And despite everything that's happened this year, 2020, we need to stop and give thanks to God for the many blessings that we do have in our lives. Despite the pandemic, despite the shutdowns, despite the toxic politics, we need to stop and acknowledge the many blessings that we have in our lives because there are so many And it's so easy to lose sight and to lose perspective on that. There are obvious reasons why we often fail to be grateful, to be thankful. Reasons might include the fast pace of our lives. We rush around, we multitask. Technology continues to drive this. Uh, 
Lots of people aren't thankful because they never slow down long enough to look around and count their blessings. We're too busy. Our calendars are overbooked. We don't have a realistic expectation of what we can or should take on. We don't say no enough. There's a sense of entitlement. Uh, The late headmaster Tony Jarvis once said, Europeans often comment on how Americans expect life to be good to them, despite the fact that many people in the world are hungry and homeless, despite the fact that most of the world's population does not live in a democracy or enjoy material advantages and opportunities for education and for advancement. Americans often take these things for granted. In other words, we have come to expect and feel entitled to the good life. And enough is never enough. And we forget that there are people all over the world who would long to live in this country. There's unrealistic expectations. Some people are are not thankful because they always feel like something's missing in their life. They always feel like they deserve more. They deserve better. A psychiatrist once said the cause of despondency in many is an awareness of a gap between what they think they ought to be and what they feel that they are. There is a discrepancy between an ideal that they hold for themselves and an acute awareness of how far short they fall from that ideal. And so lots of people are not thankful because they have unrealistic expectations in life and they're always disappointed, especially in a year like this. And of course, we all have problems and challenges. Life is full of problems, conflicts. Sometimes it seems like as soon as you resolve one or move through one, there's another one waiting on you. And sometimes we wonder, is there more joy or are there more problems in life? And there is more joy, but we have to look for it. Life will always have problems, but life will also always have joy. And we have to focus on the joy. Then there's fear. Fear keeps us from being grateful. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of getting sick, fear of what might happen or could happen. Many people in our culture live fearful lives. And yes, that's a part of the human condition. It's an existential challenge. It's part of how we survive. But fear can quickly become unhealthy and it can paralyze us. It can zap the quality of life very quickly. But despite these things, despite these reasons that we often fail to be grateful and fail to be thankful, this is a week for us to give thanks to God for the many blessings that we have. Every year at Thanksgiving, I kind of have a, a personal tradition of coming back to a particular book of the Bible. It's one of my favorite books. It's Paul's letter to the Philippians. And if you've been a Woodmont for a long time, you know that I always encourage you to read Paul's letter to the Philippians during the week of, of Thanksgiving. It's short. It's only four chapters long. Um, I think the fourth chapter is probably the most powerful of the chapters. But when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians around 62, 63 AD, he was in prison in Rome He had absolutely no idea what was going to happen. He didn't know if he was going to be executed, put to death, freed. He had no idea. He had been forced to leave Philippi after a storm of persecution. And then the Philippian church inherited a lot of that persecution. But he writes to them, telling them to stay strong in their faith. Press on, he says. 
And Paul seemed to have formed a special bond with the Philippian church. And so that's why some people say that this is his most impactful letter, his most heartfelt letter, because he's being so sincere and honest and so encouraging. But there are three lessons from Philippians that I want to give to you this Thanksgiving week as we prepare to uh, celebrate Thanksgiving in a world that seems very weary and very tired. The first lesson is this. Be selfless and humble in life. In chapter 2, Paul writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the worst parts about living through this pandemic is that it's put everybody in a survival mode. We're trying to survive. We're trying to stay safe. And what happens is that when we get into a survival mode, we, we start thinking about ourselves and what we need and our families and what our families need. And we start to just get tunnel vision on that. And we often forget to think about other people, to think about how we can help people and serve people and support people and be there for people. But Paul is reminding us that following Jesus is an ongoing reminder to focus on other people, to think about other people, to serve other people. So we can't get so focused on our own survival that we forget to help others. Get an angel tree gift this year. Bring a coat into the church office as part of our coat drive. Go out of your way to do something nice for somebody, to check on them or to give them a gift or ask them what you can do for them. You know, we call this thanksgiving. Yes, we should give thanks, but then we have to take the next step and give of ourselves to help other people. Humility is a primary mark of the Christian life. Sometimes I find myself looking around our culture and, and I wonder, what happened to humility? Whatever happened to the idea that we are not the center of the universe? Jesus spent all of his time and teachings reminding us that life is about others. Life is about serving others. It's about denying self. But that's not what our culture says. That's not the mindset that we see demonstrated day in and day out on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and Twitter. It's a look at me culture. Look at what I have. Look at where I'm going. Look at what I'm doing. Listen to what I have to say. But whatever happened to humility? Humility is important. I love Andrew Murray's definition of humility. He says, humility is perfect quietness of heart. It is for me to have no trouble, never to be fretted or vexed or irritated or sore or disappointed. It is to expect nothing to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. It's to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace in a deep sea of calmness when all around me is trouble. What a powerful definition of humility. And I think we all long for that in a world that sometimes feels like it's gone crazy. 
Can we remain calm and collected when everything around us is nuts? Turning off the news might help. Prayer might help. Going for a walk with a friend or a family member, that might help. Reading scripture, that helps. Secondly, this morning, no matter what happens in life, we must press forward in faith. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes this, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what we go through, no matter what happens, no matter how hard life gets, we have to keep moving forward. Life doesn't stop. Change is constant, which means that grief is real. Every new day brings a new opportunity, a new beginning. And Paul says, press on. Press on even when you feel like you can't. Press on when things happen that you don't like. Press on when you're hurting or sad or lonely. It doesn't mean that you don't grieve or feel lost. It just means that life is always moving forward in good times and in bad. In Romans, when Paul is talking about suffering, he says this, he says, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. And this Christmas season, this Thanksgiving season, we are all looking for hope, and it's hope that will keep us moving forward. And people need to be encouraged. People who are struggling need a hopeful word because all of us go through times when we feel like we can't press forward. And so being surrounded by people who love us and who care for us, that makes all the difference. People who can pick us up and carry us forward when we feel like we can't keep moving forward. So press on, press on into the Christmas season. Look for the hope and peace and the joy that Christ brings and then spread that to other people around you. Third and finally this morning, focus on what's good. Don't dwell on what's not. Paul writes in chapter four, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. What Paul does not say is whatever is wrong, whatever is bad, whatever is frustrating, irritating, whatever makes you angry, think about these things. No, he says, whatever is good, focus on the good. There is so much good in the world, but we will never see it if we are always focusing on what's wrong. Attitude is a choice, and it's a choice that we get to make. Every single day we have that choice, and only we can make that choice for ourselves. Other people can't make that for us. Nobody can make that for us. It's in our control. We may not choose the things that happen to us. We may not choose the things that come at us, but we can always choose how we're going to respond to it. 
Now, Paul continues in chapter 4 by talking about contentment. He says, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. And then we have that amazing verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do we believe that? Do we believe that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? In his pastoral memoir, it's called The Pastor, the late Eugene Peterson, who also authored the Bible called The Message. Many people are familiar with The Message. Uh, He said this. He said, I love being an American. I love this place in which I have been placed, its language, its history, its energy. But I don't love the American way, its culture and its values. I don't love the rampant consumerism that treats God as a product to be marketed. I don't love the dehumanizing ways that turn men, women, and children into impersonal roles and causes and statistics. I don't love the competitive spirit that treats others as rivals and and even as enemies. We live in a great country, but not all aspects of our culture are healthy. Perhaps one of the keys to gratitude, according to Paul, is learning to be content with where we are and with what we have, and not always wanting bigger, better, greater, and more. I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you can take the time to to read Paul's epistle to the Philippians And maybe write down the things in your life that that you are thankful for, the things that you might forget or take for granted from time to time. And then next weekend, next weekend when we begin the Advent season, I think all of us will be ready and have been ready to jump into Christmas. Amen.